Hey guys, welcome back to The Crawl. We're doing season two now, which is actually not it's really a season. not really a season. I think we're going to start releasing just episode to episode. Uh, yeah. We all have a lot of things going on. We have multiple projects going on that hopefully we would love to start folding some guests that are working on those projects yes, yeah. into The Crawl. Uh, but right now we're all a little bit scattered, so it's going to be a bit piecemeal. So thank you in advance for just bearing with us. Yeah, yeah. So again, uh, you know, we had season one. It was sort of, you know, on a release schedule. Now we're just going to be keep subscribed. We're just going to keep putting these out as the episodes are ready to go. So um, our first episode, actually, I'm pretty excited about uh, a friend of mine uh, came on the show, Ken Ramos. And he is uh, an editor. He's also been an assistant editor. He has a super interesting journey as far as uh, moving from he used to work professionally in music and moving into post-production in the the television world. Um, Some of his credits include he's an editor on American Horror Story. He was an assistant editor on the newest season of Twin Peaks, which for me was pretty cool because I'm a bit of a lynch nerd, uh, which I think most cool people are. Tyler's looking at me like I'm an idiot right now. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, he also, uh, Ken also edited uh, on Feud, uh, and he, ed- he specifically edited the pilot of Feud. He co-edited it, and right now he's up for an Ace Award. Uh, they're called the Eddies. Uh, as an editor, I know what they are. I'm not sure everyone else does, but the Ace Awards are basically... You don't have to be named Eddie to get an Eddie. That is entirely correct. Uh, it's, basically, uh, it's basically the Oscars for editing. So they break it down by different categories, and, and Ken is nominated right now for having edited the pilot of feud uh i believe it's it's they call it the the best editing of a tv miniseries is what he's up for and that'll actually uh that'll be uh either right after or right before this episode airs we'll we'll know if he won so you know you guys can always google him after you're done with the episode and see if he's an award-winning editor or not uh maybe we have a little show notes love we'll post a little link to an episode or something we could think about that i would (laughs) i would be the one who would have to do that so you probably have to throw some money my way but that's fine (laughs) It's fine. Uh, yeah. Any other important stuff for them to know? I mean, it's just uh, sort of the new release schedule is, is yeah, going to be a little more casual, a little yeah. more laid back. But uh, we have a lot of interesting people coming up. And as soon as we get them in the room, we'll get the episodes out to all of you. So thanks yeah. for for sticking with us and uh, welcome to The Crawl. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm Chad. I'm Tyler. We're Radio Silence. I'm Tom. And this is The Crawl. Ken, why don't you just lead us into the conversation and tell us a little bit about yourself? What we know is that you've, you know, you edit on American Horror Story, you've edited Feud, you're an assistant editor on American Crime Story and on the new season of Twin Peaks. All of these are pretty high profile, pretty cool stuff. And uh, I think you have a pretty unique journey to get there. So, uh, yeah, can we just hear about it? Uh, yeah. Um, started, I used to, I played in bands before. Yeah. Um, and then recorded other people's bands um uh what kind of bands what are we talking it's like sonic youth meets the cure i guess people said 
<laughs> yeah. And then uh, fans are fans. Yeah, fan fans. You know the, the millions. Um, and uh, we were in a couple of bands, which was fun. Is you know it's really fun to write music, play music. Uh, and then three years ago, I think it was, um, my wife and I had a duo, and we recorded a bunch of songs and decided to make a video. So I, you know, storyboarded it, borrowed a camera some, from some friends, filmed it, and then a friend, another friend, kind of showed me how to um, import stuff on Final Cut and everything. Um, which isn't that, you know, when you use Pro Tools, it's so similar. Um, sure, yeah. And uh, when doing that, I was just all of a sudden like, this is actually, this is what, this is actually fun. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fuck that bitch. Yeah. I've been playing make-believe. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, being a band, it's fun. There, It was a lot of fun. And I still enjoy, you know, playing music and, and writing music and stuff. But it was like, if that was, I thought that was fun and then making this video just from storyboarding you know sitting with a pencil to every aspect of it i was like well this is like if that was like i thought that was like a hundred percent fun this was like 500 percent fun and uh right after or while i was cutting the video my wife was in another band like an all-girl band mm -hmm. and um i recorded i was recording there an ep for them and one of the people in the band, one of the girls worked for um, American Horror Story. And I just started talking to her one day. She, you know, just talking to each other while we're recording. And I mentioned that uh, I was making this video and it was the most fun I had had. Uh, and I was just like, you know, I don't know. Like, if you have any job, like I'll be a PA, I'll go get coffee, a PA, whatever. I, I don't care. Like, I'll just go do that because I, mm. I want to do this now. And she was like, well, you know, we're starting a new season and they're looking for a PA, so I can probably get you an interview. So I just went in, interviewed, and uh, they hired me as a PA, which was... You and know, you were... This was like a like a production PA, like an on-set PA? Post-production PA. Oh, this is post. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Post, yeah. So, which is actually great because we haven't... We've talked about PAing a little bit, but we haven't talked about post-PAing, which... It's I know its own it's like a separate very, thing. It's a very different yeah, job yeah. than like the general PA that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I, I started um, working on American Horror Story as a post PA, and uh, just um, one of my friends was um, who I actually we both cut the pilot for a few together. Um, he was an editor on uh, the Normal Heart yeah. at the time. Um, and so I, which is, it's, you know, still Ryan Murphy. So they're in the same building as us. And I would just kind of go in early and hang out afterwards and watch him and his assistant editor. They kind of showed me, you know, I didn't even know anything when I like started. What were you looking for when you were kind of like, what were you hoping to learn? I kind of, well, I didn't really know. I'm With this whole thing, I've just been taking it. Like, I really loved directing, like, video and stuff. I've few things I've directed in editing. Um... And so I've just taken it as like, I don't know what is going to come, but I'll just do it. <laughs> like, I, I don't necessarily have an aspiration for it. I was like, I don't know. I don't, really don't know. At that time, I didn't know what it would be like to edit a TV show or a movie or anything. So I was like, I don't know if I'll enjoy this or not, but I enjoyed what I did. And the Ryan Murphy world is a super intense environment, but they're like the most amazing, coolest people. 
We should probably actually establish, too, who Ryan Murphy is, just in case some people don't know. But he runs, he's the showrunner on American Horror Story. Uh, he was probably became most famous for running Glee, I mm-hmm. think, though he was already well-established before that, yeah, I believe. Yeah, Nip Tuck. Yeah, Nip Tuck. And then Feud is the newer show that's coming out. Then there was American Crime Story. Scream Queens. Scream Queens. Queens, yeah. yeah. And then Normal Heart was uh, very, like, awards-heavy movie you did with HBO or whatever oh, yeah. two or what three years ago. What season of American Horror Story did you... <laughs> uh, Coven. Yeah. Ooh, I like such a good season. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was when they were they filmed that one in New Orleans, which even that I was like, I think because the year before they had done the first two seasons at Paramount in LA and I showed up and I was like, oh, they're not even filming here. This is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, and they shot that on film. That and... Um, Freak Show and um, Hotel were all done on film. All right. Which is a trip. That's really unique. Wow. Yeah, I've never yeah. worked on film. Like, I've been in the industry for like 10 years, and I've never even, I've never touched film. Like, yeah, it was, they, and whenever there's, uh, in those seasons when there's the flashbacks, it's like Super 8 or, you know, the, whatever. They they would go sure. get whatever stock, you know, to do it. And it would be like, you know, an effect. It's actually getting some old camera or film or that's whatever. that's great yeah nowadays i just assume when that when that look yeah, happens everything. i just assume it's like a post effect yeah that's really yeah. incredible though. Yeah, yeah so yeah so i i, I was a post pa um for that um and then i <laughs> i i had learned how to uh i had a we had a van for touring and it broke it broke down one time and i had to change like a carburetor or some Thing like that and so i looked on youtube yeah. and learned how to you know change change whatever part on youtube so yeah. i was like i'm gonna see if you can learn avid on youtube and they I, should start their own educational yeah like, yeah university youtube yeah yeah and i started um watching things on youtube which is the weirdest thing to think about but i, yeah. I learned avid using that and also uh, my friend adam and his assistant editor john um showed me a lot of stuff and because it's a really cool environment so everybody there like would that all the aes on at that time glee was going and horror story would just let me hang out and you know after i was done and watch how how you put dailies together and grouping and all that kind of stuff um that feels like i mean i wouldn't say that that's rare but i feel like with a vocation like editing it's sometimes a little territorial. Do you think it was the volume of material that 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 was being funneled through like the Ryan Murphy universe that editors are territorial? No, I, I mean any like any vocal <laughs> like the, 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 there's usually like an apprentice. Oh, for sure. Like an a mentorship apprenticeship. I mean, I have a buddy who's been an assistant editor for a really long time and he still struggles to like find editing yeah. gigs. And I wonder, do you think it was the amount of material that was coming through that operation that there people were more interested in bringing other new voices on, new people on, sort of showing them the ropes? Or was it just the kind of culture there? I think, I mean, I think it's that because, you know, when I started, um, like I said, Adam, Adam Penn was the editor on that and his assistant, John Pattaya, was assisting for him. And now John is editing on, you know, he did the first season of Scream Queens and this last one. You know, there like, there's this world where I think, like, this season for Horror Story, I got bumped up to editor. There was another editor, who, and it was, like, her second show or something like that, I think, you know, as an editor. And it's, you know, it's a pretty intense show. Mm-hmm. Like, there are a lot of hours. How many editors are there? Uh, three. Three editors, three assistants. Um, and so I think it's, like, because of that, 
they tend to be cool with promoting people because um, it's it's kind yeah of, there's just too much workload for <laughs> yeah and, and it's like some i mean some people come and go because they're just like why would i be here all the time right you know and so and there's also an aesthetic to it um i think because i had done music before and some kind of um make some like documentaries and done some sound effects just on my own i kind of i think my big thing was i proved myself with sound effects early so people were like oh cool this guy knows like he can help us with sound effects oh so you were like putting temp like a temp mix together almost in yeah your, or in yeah your i process. would yeah. yeah or i would sit there and help like find things and make suggestions and stuff um like with ryan murphy with all of those shows when you show it to him it's like the editors and the assistants do the sound effects like what you're seeing on tv is like it's not like you send it away bare like like uh when i was a on like on twin peaks david lynch was like i don't want to hear anything other than if there's a gunshot i want a gunshot if a door closes a door closes but if there's some trippy thing going on on the screen don't put anything because he has it in his head of what it's ultimately going to sound like and he wants to sit there with his guy later on and come up with that specific sound right so like the simple fidelity like create fidelity but the really big creative things leave that yeah. And so that stuff, they were doing that stuff like on the mix stage or would he come in for Twin Peaks or would he come into the editorial and like help design some of that stuff or into the mix and design some of that stuff? He, well, he, a lot of it was done at his house. Oh, wow. um, and he has in his house, he has, he has a dubbing stage that has, you know, there's um, vocal booths with drums and guitars so they can do everything. They can like come there and write the music. Like <laughs> one day he came in with like a surfboard from like the pool and was like listen to this listen to the sound he's like scratching a surfboard it's like a you know it's like a jazz snare drum and he was like we need to use this and so they like re- you know record that and uh, i have yeah. that in my apartment too <laughs> <laughs> you no know, for him there's this thing of the trippy stuff he has it in his head so right. he would sit there with his guy and in his house like they would work on that and come up with it so if you showed him something that went beyond like you know, a basic sound, he would be kind of like, I don't want to hear that and get a little, he he would, he doesn't want to hear that. But like with Ryan Murphy, I mean, it's, there's a more intense schedule with that. It's like sure. you finish something and then the next week it's on TV. And so when you play it for him, it's the sound effects are there. If someone's getting stabbed, you have eight different stab sounds to make the right one. And, you know, the trippy room sounds and things like that. Um, we would do those. And then, you know, it goes to Technicolor and then they, they mix it and they some of the sounds they do better. And sometimes we can ask them for a sound, but a lot of those sound effects um, are done by the editors or the assistant editors. So I kind of hmm. did that and I think, you know, they're like, that's kind of cool. Like, we're sitting here all day and if you can help us be here one hour less, then right. like, please, please, like, we'll, we'll show you how to use Avid and do these things if in turn you can like kind of point us in you know these directions of stuff you know it's kind of crazy you had both extremes like yeah 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 bring it as close to finished as not as possible and just bring it bare so yeah see it yeah Yeah. it's nuts yeah it's weird like i've i've only worked in the ryan murphy world and the twin peaks world and like the professional atmosphere whatever and they're totally different and i think everyone tells me like usually you don't do the sound effects you don't mix the dialogue and things like that 
it's like you just leave it to the you know mix stage like they'll do it later it really for me that line has been drawn in like when i'm on tv shows we do what you're doing on murphy shows where it's you add in all the sound effects you know you have libraries available to you um and in fact often on tv shows not all the time but often the composer has pre-composed stuff and we're putting that in and then they do like a pass after they've heard where we've added in the bones that they've already made um and they of course flesh it out but like you're adding all that stuff in and if you have an assistant to help you you do but a lot of my shows are a little smaller so they don't have that and yeah we're mixing dialogue and all that but in movies it's like nothing i've cut movies where i'm not even like i don't even get to choose mics for dialogue and it's like it's just everything's on it's echoey as hell and then we give it to a mixer and i hear it you know on a stage or in a theater a few weeks later i'm like oh wow this is actually real that's great Hmm. but that's where my line's been drawn but it just comes down to i feel like Maybe it comes from, like, Lynch being a movie guy. I'm not sure yeah. what Murphy's experience in movies has been, but uh, that's but that's also, like, it's just, like, whatever jobs we have. Like, you're on two... They, those are two TV shows, and they're starkly different. It doesn't matter if Lynch is a movie guy. Like, that's a TV workflow still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what's the... I mean, what's the typical turnaround for an episode of American Horror Story? What are you, what are you looking at in terms of editing days and then mixed days, finishing days? Um, God, it's... It's like crazy to, I don't even know the actual number because it feels like, oh, you're starting an episode and then there's like a vice on you. And then the next thing you know, you're like, you've put it out the door and it's on TV. And it's, it's like, it's uh, whatever the union requirements are of like, what is it like 10 days or something like that, you know? And then the, you know, the director comes in and they get their days if they can do their days, you know, sometimes right. directors can't. Um, and then we usually get, you know, whatever the week, the five days or whatever with the director. Um, and then we work with his executive producer, Alexis, who they've been working together for 13 years, something like that. So she kind of, she knows what it's ultimately going to be like and what, you know, like she can sit there and go, okay, like I, I, I really don't think he's going to want whatever, a wide shot here, you know, or, or this performance, or whatever. And then we go over it with her. And then he comes in and I, I mean, this season, my experience was he would come in and generally he's like, all right, yeah, like good. Maybe he would cut some dialogue because, you know, there's certain things where I don't know what episode nine is going to say if I'm working on episode five. And sure. maybe there's one line that to me seems totally superfluous, but without that line, nothing makes sense. Yeah. So like we, we can say maybe cut this or that and run it by Alexis. Yeah. And then ultimately we leave stuff. Most of it, that kind of stuff goes to him. And it's like, you know, I think the first episode I did of the season, he came in and he just wanted to watch the cold open. Cause it was like a long, it was like a 12, 13 minute cold open. Um, then he came back like a couple days later and was like, yeah, I want to like, cut these two lines and then let you know we watched the rest of the episode and he had a couple couple ideas of what he wanted you know and then there was another episode where uh, it took a little longer because he was debating whether or not he wanted to kind of rework everything like he wanted he was thinking about intercutting two of the acts instead of having them be separate as they were um but ultimately he just ended up like chopping out some dialogue in one of them because it was a pretty long act it's like a couple days with him a couple days with alexis right a couple days with the director if they can do it and so that in in the instance of that show, there's a there's an EP that's obviously worked with him for a long time and understands the sensibility of the show. With something like Twin Peaks, which obviously has existed before, but is so left of center and has such a specific style. Who who how do you as an editor approach approach a project like that with 
with the style of the show in mind if you haven't ever cut on it before right like that's it's returning for the first time in a long time so who's sort of designing the mandate for how that show feels in in the edit there's a main editor Dwayne Dunham who did the first Twin Peaks like he he got the you know Emmy for what he did like the first episode and he did a bunch of them uh, I think he cut either Empire or or Return of the Jedi was when he was like first started editing um it's a good early job man. yeah he's like <laughs> old, he's like old school like he knew Twin Peaks since he had worked on it before the biggest thing is like working on the other shows like you know Horror Story or Feud or you know Crime Story or whatever you see like you get like a TV director who comes in and they have their idea of the scene and they get coverage so it's kind of like okay two people are talking you have like a wide shot you have like a this person's shot this other person's right. shot it's like shots so that you can cut it in as many sort of ways yeah. and potentially as you can yeah and it's like they kind of cover their base so that you can see a lot of times like okay i think this is the most obvious in for the scene and then you know this person pulls a gun out of their their jacket so you're gonna have to have something wide or whatever we see the gun or you know whatever you can mm-hmm. put it together like that but they also will have these standard shots an over-the-shoulder shot of two people talking and then the reverse and but with uh twin peaks it was it was interesting because it was like minimal david lynch directing mm-hmm. it writing it ultimately you know i think he's also an editor on it there was an assembly done and then he was going in after i left to go and chop it up into the specific episodes and I, maybe it's more movie or whatever but you kind of could see okay uh here's here's a scene and there's three shots so he just knows what he wants yeah he knows so he what, doesn't yeah. waste yeah and he doesn't have to later on go to you know a showrunner and go i forgot to get that shot that you now say you want it's like he knows what he wants mm-hmm. and so there's it was a lot more i mean i think there's you know there's still scenes where you're like this stuff is crazy and what's happening in the scene and you have to figure it out but it's a lot more minimal so how close do you have to stick to and i'd be interested in both versions of that for both shows how closely do you have to stick to the original script like when you when you do like your first assembly but after you move on from that before you get input from like you know a producer or the director like do you just do it to the page or do you get um, creative license i'm sure it's different with everybody but with horror story you have an ep right there so there was like i mean in that environment because she knows she's so close to him to the showrunner that you can kind of walk upstairs and be like hey you know like let's do like here's an idea can we try it and you know because sometimes writers don't want it or the showrunner might be attached to what's right a bit more but at least on that show one of the coolest things about working with him is that he's really open to i mean he has a lot of ideas and he's open to people's ideas yeah, like he's not a te- yeah, like great. yeah like if, if you show him something and it's not what he thought he was gonna see he's not gonna flip out that's awesome. At least if I, you know, if he likes it. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> if he hates it, I'm we... sure he will. <laughs> One of the things that we've mentioned a couple of times on the podcast, and it's maybe not a problem that you specifically have dealt with, because I'm sure the shows that you've cut have more resources and are slightly more organized than the like the low budget things that we <laughs> that, that we've done. <laughs> but there's this gap between what the vision of something is going to be going into it, and then what you actually have to work with when you have the material that will then go on to an editor and be cut together. And I mean, the amount of time that we spend and we, we generally end up returning to the script at some point and cutting actually a version that's something that's actually really close to what was scripted. But there's such a huge disparity at times between what you've imagined it being and what the building blocks are that you can use to actually make it become something. And that's the, the amazing thing about 
always about editing and the lesson that we always learn is holy shit this the editing is when you actually start making what the thing is going to be because you have the materials that exist now it's not just in your imagination these are the the hard and fast takes and you know dialogue and all of that stuff and um, that can be like a daunting thing that evolution is always a little bit hairy totally like how would you describe your job um artsiest description possible <laughs> you know the mauler of yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's all. Well, you know. um for me coming from being in a band and playing music it was this thing where i i didn't really know exactly what editing was i didn't know how if i was watching a scene i was like okay obviously there's a couple cameras going on here you know i don't exactly know how many are going at once you know how many times do they do this scene and it was something when I first started as a post PA learning like, okay, when they shoot a scene, you get, they could shoot it with two or three cameras, you know, filming each person talking or running or whatever, you know, murdering or whatever they're doing. And then <laughs> talking, <laughs> running, or murdering, those are the three you know, things that people do. I would watch that show. Any, anyone, watch that show. you know, any mo- making any film, those are the three things your characters can be doing. So you, you get on one hand, you may get three or five takes with one camera. So as the editor, you watch it and the director makes notes or, you know, the script supervisor, whoever makes notes of which takes the director likes the most. And then as the editor, you watch it and you kind of compare, okay, here are the ones that I find work and here are the ones that the director felt worked on set, which sometimes work, sometimes don't. Sometimes directors circle every single take and which is you know not that uncommon and you go okay well there's five takes and they're all ones that they like so now i'm just you know i choose your favorite yeah which which is the one that has the best like emotion you know is the most real seeming to you for the moment or whatever um i mean that's one part is choosing which takes work the best and is that what you're looking for in that is if it's assuming all like the technical stuff is working are you looking emotion is like your key I mean, I watch it, you watch, you know, you get your dailies and it's hours and you have to watch all of it. And so I make markers based upon what I think is the best, like emotionally, what, when the actors are there, you know, with that, that's like the number one thing. And then, you know, with horror, a lot of times camera angles matter a lot because if there's a monster that's supposed to be, you know, following them. You can't have a camera that shows that there's no monster behind them at that point. You want to maybe be close up so it's claustrophobic or whatever, and they you feel trapped with them or you know whatever. They're like the, right. especially in horror that conveys mm-hmm. a lot of emotion with yeah. the, whatever shot it is. Um, so it's I think the first watching it, it's like which takes have the best performance, gen, you know, which is emotion really. And and which camera angles kind of jump out as like, oh, this part right here in this scene, I feel like when I first watch it, this is the angle I want to be at, you know, make marks, marks of those things. And then then you go back and you go, OK, I'm going to have I'm going to maybe start on a close up of a doorknob and the door opens and then, you know, we'll follow someone and we don't quite know who it is, you know, and then you cut to a wide shot where you realize it's like someone with a knife breaking into a house or I don't know, whatever, you know? So you kind of figure out how to unfold the story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into this story. You're editing, you're editing this conversation so well. And in, I mean, in horror that matters a lot because if you 
start on the wide shot of seeing that it's a person that the murderer there's no moment in which you're wondering what's happening right so but uh, these are like prolonging the mystery the language of this is like a lot to take in so how did you i mean you you kind of came to it pretty quickly like was it you're obviously a fan of movies but how did you how do you learn the language of what you do if you watch movies then you're gonna understand i think like it's the best thing for basically any job yeah yeah yeah. i mean like like, an accountant yeah (laughs) like look at numbers (laughs) when i was you know when i first counting movies yeah when i first the accountant yeah yeah, yeah, just on loop (laughs) when i first got into um playing music and writing music um i remember i i would sit down and listen to songs and be like okay this is a verse and then they go to a chorus and then they go to a verse and then and you realize oh there's like patterns of Right. what they do and it's the same with film there's like you know you watch a movie and you realize there's a reason like oh every time this happens they have a shot like this yeah there's some math there's an yeah. equation at work behind yeah behind the scenes yeah and you see you know different directors have their own way of doing it obviously and but i i just watched movies and at one point i started doing the same thing like i watched jaws like five times and wrote down what i thought each scene was doing and like like oh it starts with a close-up and then we cut to a wide and like i would write why did they start with a close-up there and like this moment of like oh like this scene starts off as like you know it's a typical day we're a, a typical day at the beach and then all hell breaks loose you know and it's like oh a typical like town meeting and then all hell breaks loose and you're like okay i see what they're doing each scene is like it's just a normal setting and then and figure it out and i just thought like well why why do i f- when i watch it why am i feeling that sense of impending doom like yeah. what is it yeah yeah and like you know i think jaws i think is like an amazing a really underappreciated film although i mean is it's it? a huge yeah. <laughs> I, know, I, mean, I guess it's a huge it's a huge blockbuster it but is a great film and it's appreciated but you know i think you're totally right like it isn't something that people necessarily it's not like it's not necessarily taught in film schools outside of like a genre class, though it could be because it's really a master class in tension building and it's a family drama very much at its bones. Yeah, I, I just watched it and I took notes of like, why when I'm watching someone at the beach, am I feeling like something's wrong? And I just thought about why am I feeling that? And then I watched, like I said, YouTube videos. Like I watched, there's like a bunch of stuff that Hitchcock has talked about with editing of like there's one where he talks about there being um like a bomb under a table you know it's like and like you know when do you show the bomb totally dictates whether it's there's tension or not yeah in the scene it's so amazing though that that's a resource now that's available to to everybody and it's very much i mean we are self-taught in just about (laughs) every oh for sure every way there are fewer reasons to not go out and make shit now because there are so many resources that show you very plainly yeah how not only how to do it technically, but obviously we also now have access to Final Cut and Avid. I mean, these are things you can pay a monthly subscription mm-hmm. and, you know, even download someone else's video footage and play around with it in an editing program yeah. and, and teach yourself these mm-hmm. tools. You can listen to Quentin Tarantino for hours <laughs> on YouTube yeah. pontificating. And it's amazing because the, the guy knows like so much stuff that you can just watch these things and be like, oh, this is like I never I didn't go to film school. But if you listen to people who know what they're doing talk then you'll learn everything because they're the ones who are doing it you know 
and the people and some of the like my friend adam uh penn who's that editor um i just listened to him he had advice of like here's here's my rules for editing you know and like you know there's like uh walter merch has like a book on editing you know it's right here right, on tom's you know. shelf yeah, yeah. cutting the blink all of an eye. Yeah. The, yeah, the blink of an eye. Yeah. <laughs> so when you got your first editing gig, what was the lesson that you learned when the rubber met the road that you hadn't learned before in your your online education and what little experience you'd had before? Like, was there was there something that was like, oh shit, I wasn't prepared for this? For the assistant part, it was. I think I was pretty well prepared for the most part because I had been hanging around with the assistants the season before, you know? So I, it wasn't like a surprise. It definitely is a lot different when you're in the hot seat and you, you know, when you're an assistant daily show up and the editor is standing there going, oh, are they ready yet? And you're like, this is my first time ever doing this. No, give me like five <laughs> hours, please. And they're like, how about now? Um, so for that, it was kind of like learning how fast stuff has to get done right you're against the clock all yeah the time. yeah and then for being in the editor's chair it was kind of um just actually sitting there and looking at hours of dailies and going oh okay i'm the one who's supposed to make this into a scene <laughs> okay <laughs> so you know they they walk up and they they you know you you've got you the shots they give you and you're just like okay um this could go a million different ways and I, I, I'm not, I'm the one who's now supposed to say right. your choice. It's your yeah. responsibility. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's, uh, it's really cool in many ways where you're like, I get to do this. And it's also like, fuck. Like, it's a lot, yeah. It's a yeah, lot. Like, it's a lot of yeah. pressure. Like I, I, get, I get to do this and it's, and, um, I started working on the first scene I had and I was just stuck figuring out how to put it together. And, I walked into, you know, a room for one of the uh, editors on um, Scream Queens and I was who I am friends with. And I was just like, what do you do? Like when you get this, like, what is your actual process? How do you actually pick which ones, like which are the the um, takes you like? And I'm like, I, I'm sitting here and I, I'm doing this, but it's taking me forever. And I asked him and then I asked a, another friend of mine and it was just kind of learning of like, OK, there's a process you, you can you know, I have my own now based upon like what, what were they saying? Um, well, like one of them was like, the first guy was like, well, I want, you know, you have to watch everything. And then he said, I take anything that is even possibly remotely usable. And I put it, I string it all together. And I have that as like my selected takes, you know, that I can go from. And then I start going back and trying, just thinking what, what of these works best, like for the beginning of the scene and putting together, um, then another person was like, yeah, I, I turn on a clock and I, I give myself an hour to do my first wow. cut of a scene. Just to get it something there that they yeah, can then fuck exactly. And right, because you can spend so much time thinking about what to do. Yeah. And, and if you just make a choice, then that begets another choice yeah, and so yeah, on down the yeah. line. And there's there's a point where you start putting it together and you're like, this is cool. And you go, fuck, what if that first shot was different? And then you go, okay, well, then the second one has to be different. Well, then the third one has to be different. The fourth can stay, you know. It's rewriting. You, yeah, you, you're like reworking the whole thing. And you can do that forever. And the other big thing was it's going to suck. Like you're going to hate the first cut that you do, but it doesn't matter. You just go on. Because right. like you're not watching anything at this point. You're just literally trying to have it be something that's together that you inevitably are going to hate. And they were like, I hate my first cuts. 
but I, I just get through it. And then once you have everything put together, then you can kind of watch it and be like, okay, because you, you're working on a scene. Well, you don't know how the scene before it ended at that point because you may they could shoot scene right 50. it's all out of sequence yeah exactly so you don't know necessarily you could spend hours making the scene amazing and then when you cut the scene before it you go oh fuck, right. these don't work like, yeah they, they just, just don't flow into yeah, each yeah, other You're... yeah and so they're like you just put it all together and the main thing is choosing the performances that you like and so i i take when i do the things that i think are usable i take the ones that i think are particularly good sections of a performance and separately mark those so that when you later try on to ha- try to save these yeah and so later on when you go okay now that it's all together i need a different shot right here you don't have to watch everything you can be like okay right. these are the performances for that shot that worked you know or maybe you go what i would love i mean there's continuity things some you know you have someone smoking a cigarette it's a it's a puzzle so I, you know. it's also crazy how many ways there are to watch something i know one of the things we've that we always run into when we're cutting and it's because I I typically have shot what we're cutting. I'm married to it technically, so I'm watching the take for the technical camera work. And Matt is always watching for performance. And performance is always We've got in many arguments about it where it's like, I know angle is way off and the lights are horrible. But, but perform- the performance is so good. Yeah, and the, and, but it's amazing how when the performance is good, you forgive yeah. so much because Everything. you're connected to it in a way that's not, that you want to be invisible anyway. You don't want people to be aware of how technically proficient it is. You want them to be watching for what's happening with the characters yeah. and what's happening with the story and not yeah. what's happening with the fucking character. And honestly, even that should be thing. invisible too. Ideally, right. that's, I mean, that's kind of a taste thing. But I know for me, it's like, I love movies I'm watching, movies we're working on, whatever. I like it when you don't notice performance. Like, whenever I say, like, hey, how was that movie? And someone goes, performances were great. I go, oh, so it's, like, not a good movie. Yeah. You know, because, like, okay, cool. So good performances don't make a good movie any more than any other aspect. Yeah. So it's, like, then it goes back to story. No, but it's it's crazy. Even And even down to continuity. I mean, there are times when you want so badly to just find that one cut that's going to solve a small continuity oh, error. Yeah. And then when you, but when it's working emotionally and I act, and I actually think that that's one of the sort of learning processes of cutting a scene is it isn't really until you found what's, what works about it emotionally that you realize, Oh, I can forget about all that shit. Yeah. I can forget about these weird little technical things that feel like the things you should be hung up on because you've learned as a movie maker that things have to have continuity and things have to, that things have to be in air focus. Yeah, a lot of air quotes going on. You guys can't, podcast listeners that. can't hear air quotes. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I think that that's a, and it's a lesson that I, I mean, I learn every time and it's, it just depends on how, like at what point of the process you're in touch with the footage. But when it gets back to what you're saying about Jaws, where like when you're studying Jaws, that you're figuring out what the scenes do. And like, if you know what the scene does, and as long as that is intact, that's when you get to focus on all yeah. the other stuff, right? Yeah. Do you ever get mad at actors? Yeah. There, there's some, <laughs> there's some times where you watch a scene and, um, like there's sometimes where you'll be watching an actor and you're just like, wow, they're so good. They're so in it. And then they just totally bounce out of it. They just forget their lines to the point where they stop or something. And you're like, oh, like I'm here an extra hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, if you had just had like those other two lines, this would have been so good. Or, you know, there's sometimes where, some actors don't, I don't know if they don't care or the continuity is not as important. And, you know, oh my God, you, you, yeah, 
you you know you you watch it and it's it's hard performance to... continuity is a different thing though like that's continuity you have to cut for <laughs> like, yeah yeah, yeah. there's sometimes where people will you know have a cigarette in their right hand and they'll have it in their left hand and you're like well there's a certain point if if i have two shots in front of somebody and the cigarette literally bounces from one hand to the other it might be so obvious that you right. even if they're like giving a great dialogue performance you're like you mm-hmm. i can't use the angle that i really want to use here because you are like flipping your you know props or whatever around in your hand yeah it's a magic pancake and pretty woman right we all know that scene uh-uh. No? No. Um, in Pretty Woman. No, Pretty Woman, there's like an infamous scene where she's eating I would assume it was breakfast in um in like Richard Gere's home or whatever. She's eating a pancake and she's just like, you know, she's eating it like with her hand, like chomping down on it, and like cut back to Richard Gere and he has a line, and then they cut back to her and she's got a waffle in her hands. And she's eating that, and then they cut to Richard Gere, and then they cut back to her, and it's a pancake again. Oh, you know what it was for me? It was Reality Bites and Ethan Hawke's hair. And they're out there <laughs> after he runs out of the show, and it's every... it was I, It's the same thing. It's like when I first... Yeah, every other... You know, when I was like in high school or something, I remember it was... Yeah, every one of the shots, it's his hair is like just right over his face. It's all dramatic and cool, and then it's just not. And it was like... Yep. The funniest thing ever you know when you're 15 you're like, yeah ah. yeah but it can really it's it's just illustrating like it can really take you out when it's yeah. a performance and, and honestly like the, the pancake one might be bad because that's probably not julia's fault it was probably shot you know days apart and the props master just brought in the wrong i would assume food would be props i think right or is that a different no, that's props props yeah so anyways you know they just put on the wrong thing but it still affected the performance the same way that if a cigarette would were to jump from one hand to another or something. It happens a lot with um, with drinks. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. Fucking drinks, man. They're yeah. so like that's those little things. They always feel like oh we're gonna we'll have somebody eat something or like sip a coffee in the scene and that ends up being the thing that is yeah, the biggest but, headache yeah. in, in the edit. Okay. Do you have it? Are there scenes that stand out to you? Like what's the scene that you cut that changed the most from when you first put it together to when it actually aired what is there one that that stands out as like the really frustrating bear of a process in um episode eight of this last season of horror story uh it was the second act of it takes place in one room with um the main character tied up to a chair and she never she doesn't get out of the chair until the end of the chair and end of the chair and the end, yes, the end of the scene, and uh, talking real abstractly. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's a bunch of scenes within it, but when I uh, finished with the act the first time, it was like uh, it was like 20 minutes long or something, and it was like, how could this ever be one thing that you watch for 20 minutes between a commercial break? And it it was really long, and it became all right. Well. There's certain scenes, certain scenes had to go, certain ones got cut way down. Um, to accommodate this scene, the length of this scene? No, to make that, because the, the act was so long that it, it just became, you know, the episode was too long as it was. Yeah. We, on, on like effects, you don't, you know, like on Fox, you have to be a certain exact time, right. but on like like effects, it's whatever. They're, they have a lot more wiggle room, you mm-hmm. know, as, lo- as long as you're not. Yeah, like insanely 10, long. 15 minutes yeah, over. Sons of Anarchy would go like yeah, I think two they, hour episodes. Yeah, they just add yeah. another commercial break, which then becomes whatever the people in charge. Do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, want to negotiate. <laughs> um, so it was like, okay, this is way too long. And watching it, I was just like, I, I kind of 
am losing interest at some point watching this whole act because it was so long. Um, and so that was one we, we had talked about maybe intercutting it with the act after it to like have them go back and forth and then we could drop some scenes easily that way. I mean, it's not even a scene, it's the whole act really, not even a scene, but it was just like chunks of that got taken out, moved around and reworked. And, you know, there's a lot of like, okay, we're going to cut this out, but maybe, you know, she's being sliced up like the person in the chair as the act goes on. So you can't all of a sudden jump from here to here and what, what happened to her leg? You know, so you have, you know, choose a different angle where, where you don't see that and like rework it and put dialogue in her mouth, you know, like rework it. So she's she's saying one line, but now you have her saying something else, which can be a nightmare because you're looking at somebody and their mouth isn't saying what it's supposed to. So, you know, kind of feels like once you start chasing your tail in that way, too, there's just no end to it. It's like, why don't we just rewrite the whole, like, the whole yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. scene? Yeah. I mean, it's. There are so many tools at your disposal to change something. Yeah. It's like, what, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 on one end, it's cool because I think sometimes when they're writing, the writers are writing stuff and you're filming and you don't know how long it's actually going to take. Right. And sometimes the actors are just going to take their time. And if you can't cut it, there's sometimes where you can cut time out, cut to different cameras. But like this season was for the second half of it, it was more it was supposed to be like security cameras. So you can't just be bouncing around from camera to camera all the time. Then it starts to feel like it's not legitimate security cameras. It feels like, oh, how amazing you happen to have a camera exactly where we needed it to be. So, you know, and people become aware of what they're not seeing. Yeah, if they become aware that you're that there's an editor who's structuring yeah. this in a way that it wasn't necessarily meant to be. Yeah. Meant to be structured. That was definitely hard. That, uh. Like that whole episode, because that was cutting a different type of show. Like I don't watch reality shows, but it was like, oh, now right. we're doing like a reality format almost. Like, oh no, what have I done? <laughs> how, why did I? How did I get into this? Like, there's so much footage. There's so many cameras. There's so it's such a different thing, like different world. Like reality people, I think like the editors watch like hours and hundreds of hours, hours yeah. Like, yeah. days, yeah, like, days yeah. for like an. An episode, and you're so oh yeah, insane. doc stuff's the same. Yeah, yeah. it's just ridiculous. But well, the amount of Franken biting that's done. Yeah, and you need a like real assistant editor team on that kind of a workflow to like yeah. essentially like give you your story before you even start like your hour long story for your like eight minute pod that you're cutting or something. Yeah. But a lot of jargon in that sentence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Workflow. Pod. Just gonna uh, leave the two of you to talk about <laughs> editing stuff uh, alone for a few minutes. Want to talk about our pods and our workflows together? <laughs> Let's do it. So, what do you got next? What's what's lined up for you, like moving forward? Or are you on something right now? Or right now, I am enjoying some time off. And uh, I don't know. I have. I mean, there's another season of horror story, uh, you know, that comes back, and then uh, I don't know. I'm like at meeting with people which is my first time doing that as an editor which is weird to be like hi yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna meet with you i don't know what i'm gonna say i don't know what you're gonna ask me i don't know you know as an assistant editor it's like an editor calls you up and goes hey i got a gig you want to you want to do it and you're like yeah cool and you show up yep <laughs> and are you you're like strictly tv right now it sounds like have you done features as well no no, no. so it's just tv under your belt at this point yeah tv and then just a few things i shot myself and that's it well actually yeah as we're talking i think i just saw something on bloody disgusting by you 
yeah. and Melissa, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, I texted yeah. Brad about that as soon as I saw it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, what was that short? Why don't you just tell us about it real quick? Uh, it's called Nothing Happens because uh, Melissa wrote, um, she, I think one of you said you did stuff at UCB or something, right? Because she took yeah, a class. Yeah, like years ago. Oh, yeah, she yeah. took a class at UCB and um, she wrote, it was a sketch writing class and she wrote this, it's like a mock horror trailer about slow burn horror. Nothing happens. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> you know, and, and she she wrote it and I read it and I was just like, this is hilarious. So, and it's something where we could film it ourselves. So I just filmed at both my sister's house, like one in Orange County and one's in Cincinnati. And we just filmed around their houses to have it be the setting. Um, and then another friend of, I, of mine and I wrote some music, like Carpenter-esque Cindy, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's pretty tight. It's it's been making the rounds, and it was a fun little short. Nothing happens. You can find it. It's on YouTube, right? That's where it's yeah, hosted. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, awesome, dude. Yeah. So, what's it like? What's the balance of uh, creativity working with a director? Like, how does that work for you? Um, it it definitely is different with different directors. Um, we had you know the the DP for Horror Story, um directed one of the episodes that i did which you know of course he's the dp so it was like beautiful and he's like these shots are amazing um and he was really cool and he had he knows everybody involved better so he was just like he was a little bit more like hands off of like all right you guys are gonna do what you're gonna do i know that alexis is the old you know i know she know she knows what's good she's telling me you're gonna be able to do it so i'm just gonna let you guys put it together and then i'll come and watch and just see and so we put it together. I, I worked on it, you know, and he basically he, for him, he watched it and had, I think, a couple ideas of there's some, you know, some shots that he really wanted to be in there because he, you know, he DP. So there's, of course, you know, things where he's like, this shot is, needs to be in there. And uh, directors come in and it varies. Like some of them want to go frame by frame with you something where literally every frame matters you take out a frame and the whole environment the whole scene can change tone so some of them get more into it for uh feud you know ryan uh murphy directed the episode that i worked on so he's you know ultimately he's the guy he's the he's the one who's setting the tone yeah 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 like he you know co-wrote it he yeah Yeah. there's the whole world and and it's the pilot so it's setting up everything so there's i don't know what it is about his directing but he definitely he somehow gets something out of actors that i won't see other directors getting you know like if he does an episode of the show there'll be something in the performance that when you watch other episodes the actors don't necessarily i don't know if it's give that extra bit or whatever but like you know quantify it like what that what it is that you're seeing what that extra is it's like, like are they taking more risks are they more comfortable like, what's the I, I i i've tried to think about it to yeah. like to um, think like as someone who wants to you know who likes directing and wants to direct stuff i'm like okay what is it that i think he's bringing out here and it's i don't know if it's that because he's the boss right he is who he is yeah, and like, it's, you like do your best yeah, work yeah, in front of ryan yeah, murphy right yeah. but but there's certain things like um in uh the season of horror story that was hotel at i think it's the first episode it's the first episode because that's when he directed um there's this part where kathy bates i think like uh you first meet her and she she's like behind the counter and she's like woof she does some weird little thing yeah. and it's an ad lib it wasn't in the script and it's like this thing where you're just like 
that literally just they'll do something that I think what it is is that they do things that summarize their character and like a movement or an, a line something that's not scripted and you just go okay that's that's the character right and i don't know if it's that he knows the character so well because he gives world. them the confidence yeah. to do those things yeah and that he you know he's because he's creating that world no one's gonna tell him like hey you gotta you can't do the wolf thing yeah you gotta hurry <laughs> yeah. along you gotta yeah. hurry your day along yeah he just he gets those things because yeah. he can yeah and so far for me the the biggest thing is seeing what like I said, like, you know, someone who's a DP definitely gets these beautiful shots. And you're like, this is so beautiful. Like, it's like you're looking at a painting for certain parts, it, seems, it feels like. And there are, you know, other directors who are very big on performance. And they'll want to, when they go through it, they're like, oh, well, this performance, that performance. Um, or they might be big into the action scenes or the murder scenes or whatever, where they're like, the culmination is when this person gets bludgeoned to death. So everything, I don't care but that part we need to spend three, like I'm here for five days. We're spending three days on this murder scene or whatever, you know? Um, and like, it's all different. And like, so you kind of have to roll with it depending on their taste. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. so far, the directors I've worked with have, they've all been totally different. I feel like, and it seems like how they approach directing and like how they talk to you in the room when you're working with them and what, like what matters. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I've heard horror stories of some, friends who are just like yeah you know the directors come in and they sit there with you they have five days so they'll sit there for 14 hours just like thumbing yeah thumbing through every shot every every second every frame working on it with you and you know i haven't been in that i don't know what that it's awful if you could make a request of of the set before you get the footage that would make your job easier what would it be is there something that that you find you consistently see in footage that makes it more challenging for you to do your job that you just wish that they would have done a little bit differently and would make things a hell of a lot easier for you. Not, there isn't a consistent thing. There's different crews have different things. Um, Sometimes it's technical stuff where you're like, that is amazing. And it's out of focus. Like everything is perfect, but it's out of focus. Like that, that, that is the best performance ever. The camera moves across the room and it's, (laughs) beautiful and it stops where it should and the actor turns and everything's great and it's out of focus and you're just like oh okay like you know you'd be surprised how often you get out of focus shots from professional camera crews yeah it's like a it's a major issue i i feel like i don't know what the deal is i wonder if it has to do with too many people learning to focus only in monitor and they're maybe too far away from the monitor to really focus i think a lot of it's like on those like the big sweeping shots in horror story they're using a remote focus and they're reading a measurement distance measurement off of a cinetape is usually what it is and it's so hard and obviously and sometimes those things aren't accurate the measuring devices it's a sound it uses sound to provide a measurement Mm -hmm. and it can be even if it's a few inches off you know and you're in a scene that's dark and your lens is wide open you're you know you have a very, yeah. very shallow depth field, a very small threshold to actually have things in focus. Yeah, I, I, I think ultimately, I just, it's like I just, I try to roll with the punches because yeah. I, I mean, what, what can you do? You're sitting in a room, you have the footage. Some of it is amazing, some of it's not, and that's the point. You figure out what's not amazing. Yeah, that's like the first <laughs> cut that you do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah like, all right. Well, you know, there, there are different times where you watch and go, okay, well, this entire section here is not something. I foresee myself ever using, so I'm gonna 
you know, put that in the don't ever look at again unless I'm like desperate category. I don't. I think like for editing, you kind you you kind of have to just roll with the punches of what mm-hmm. you have. You can say, hey, I need a different shot. You can you can you know tell the director like I'm working on this scene, and um, you know I really really want when I watch it I want to see a close-up of the person picking up a glass or whatever. And, you know, the director can decide to do it or not to do it. We got that call from Rod, our editor on Doubles Do, and it was the first time that ever happened to us. And he was like, hey, I just want you guys to know, like, I was watching this, and there's a knife in a scene, you know, similar to what you're talking about. And he was like, we we never see it get put there. So we'd have no reason to know it's there. Mm-hmm. He was very right, yeah, and we had to go back. We had to go catch. work, yeah. work in a an extra, you know, couple hours to go shoot that. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and it was so obvious when he told us it was like, it was like, what the holy fuck? shit! Wow, that would have been. This was a massive, <laughs> massive yeah. like over, oversight on our. But part. it's great. It's kind of like that like stopgap of like everything's going through the writing and the acting and the directing. Everything's getting made, and then it gets to you, and you're like the filter to be like, all right, well, here's the stuff that works. Here's what we need. Yeah, here's what we have. Yeah, because when you're on set, you're you have everyone standing around you watching you. When you're in, you know, if you're in the editing bay, you're just literally by yourself. And if right. you want to stop, you're nitpicking, yeah, very in a very specific way. Yeah, and if I want to, I can stop on a frame and stare at it and realize, oh, there's a mirror in the back, and I can see a oh, crew totally. member scratching his ass. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. no one would ever notice that on set because there's a million people. Yeah doing stuff and you're looking at the people performing you know i get it i go like jekyll and hyde like when we're editing our own stuff i'll literally be like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> to us for stuff we did like a week prior you know yeah for you guys when you're directing do you do you write it and direct it and edit it a lot of our stuff yeah what is that even like i because same I, the same thing you're talking about i mean it's like it's very similar it's the same kind of like and it's funny because when you're talking about the way you approach like the assembly and then the first cut, that's the same for us when we're editing. It's the same for us when we're writing. It's not it's not the same when we're editing. I mean, when we're directing yeah. because it, that has to be more planned. But like it it's, is that thing of like, well, let's just do the shitty version, get it done and then work on it. It's also crazy how every process is kind of an editing process, right? Like when you're directing what you what, what you're choosing to shoot and, and not shoot, you're you're already making editing choices. Obviously when you're shooting like the angles that you're deciding to cover something from or not, you're, you're, you're shaping, you're editing, you're shaping the scene, you're gathering the materials. And it's, it's, I mean, it's the most, I think it's the, one of the scariest parts of the process. I don't know if we've ever gotten into it's my favorite post part. and cut something in the first cut where you're like, Oh man, we really nailed it <laughs> oh, i hate it I we always well, that's that. together. we're done and uh, my eileen my wife she she actually has she sort of has this like literally charted out when we work on a project she's like okay they're in post like tyler and the guys are going to be really miserable for two weeks oh, and then you get through that two-week hump of putting an assembly together and you start to you, you forget about what it was supposed to be and you start seeing it for what it is and you like kind of start falling in love with it again. You like form a relationship with it and you, you know, you start to, to reframe it. But, um, 
that's that part of the process is always like oh god it feels like the first time every fucking time you do it and it feels like and every time it feels like the last this should be the last thing you ever work on because you suck so bad at what yeah. you do. but it does it's every crazy. time it, it really, it feels <laughs> you get you the the editing is the part that it's the part that i always like think oh next time we're on set we don't need to do x y and z because when we get to editing you know we never need it. Never need it. And it's like, yeah. why? So every time we get more refined in like what we're doing, it's like that. It's like that line you're talking about the difference between the Ryan Murphy and the David Lynch, where it's like, here's three shots for the scene. It's like, you know, we're nowhere near that, nor will we probably ever be. Like when you hear about Hitchcock, where he's like, oh yeah, there's that scene in uh, Vertigo when she's looking at the painting, and it's like, well, there's one shot, because why would he need another one? You know, you're like, what? That is way too confident. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's that thing where you're like, oh. I don't need 50 coverage angles and a thousand fucking wide shots. You're like, let's just figure out how to tell the story in advance, shoot it properly. So when we get to editing, you know, then you're not stuck with just a bunch of shit. That would be really nice if that was the norm. What's the goal? I mean, no one wants to shoot. Like no one. That's the, the hindrance of, especially like when a lot of us work on like indie stuff and you don't, when you only have a month to like pre-produce a film, it's not enough time, especially yeah. to, you might be able to do that right. for a few key scenes that are like super important, but you know, you can't do that for this expository scene that you're just want, you just need to get in there for story purposes. But it's like that expository scene becomes so much better when you've been able to execute it and pre pre-produce it to the, to the way it needs to be. And then, you know, I go in and start cutting it together and it's like, wow, this just flows so perfectly and naturally and is visually exciting as well. I don't even realize that it's just like a dump of information that I needed to hear. Right. Uh, but, you know, that's the, that's just the, the fallacy of like cheaper filmmaking. But then, you know, cheaper filmmaking also gives us, we always, we've talked about this a million times, like the restrictions that, that make us sort of do like crazy shit. So, you know, it trades off a bit. For sure. How does the editing, how do you feel creatively rewarding by the editing process when you when you feel like you've really nailed a scene what is that what what's that feeling like for you as an editor um one of the reasons i really like horror stuff is because <laughs> you know you can actually show it to somebody and if they like sc- if they scream or if they jump out of the chair awesome you've done your job <laughs> yeah like yeah it's like you can watch the reward of what you've done um in the room happening with someone um yeah, and it's big and it's emotive. And yeah, yeah, because there's definitely I, I really like tension more than startle scares. So if I'm watching a scene, you know, and you put it together, and you, you can, depending on how you cut it, you can increase or decrease the tension. And it's like when it gets to a place where you're like, this is a good amount of tension, and then it leads up to whatever is going to happen in that scene. You know, if it's some big moment or may a false scare or like a big thing or whatever it's kind of like oh like cool that came together like it 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 feels amazing with that it's like i feel like half of it is the sound you know you get like a a weird creepy bed creeping in there and whatever or you know you take out the sound and it's like super quiet suddenly or whatever you you know you do and it's like all of a sudden you watch and you're like okay because you know when you watch you put a scene together and you go, this just absolutely sucks. And if anybody walked in the room right now, I would be fired because this is like my first drive. You know, you just feel like I can't, no one can watch this. You go back, you recut it and you start to go, okay, it's starting to get 
scary or tense or whatever it's supposed to do. And then you start adding in the sound. And you Then when you finally add the music, it's just all these, it's like witnessing all these layers come together and you're like, okay, cool. Like, you know, I don't, I didn't write the music. I didn't even shoot the scenes or write the dialogue, but just seeing how it's cool how you can put these things together that other people have done and wind up being like, all right, cool. This is like actually going to be really scary, you know? And then you get to show it to uh, someone who will scream, you know, like Ryan Murphy screams when he, he's, he's a huge, he's like a, he's afraid of horror and he's, he's a fan. So he'll come in and watch as a fan and he'll like jump out of his chair and stuff like that. And you're like, that's the guy who made this. And he's, he <laughs> just jumped, yeah, he just jumped out of the chair. Like I, I can go home happy. All right. Well, uh, big thanks again to Ken for coming in today. It was uh, it was a great episode. Uh, I know for me, it was really exciting to get to talk with another editor about post-production. And I was really happy that he got to share his story and his unique path to it with us. Uh, yeah. So just a quick reminder, moving forward, our format's going to change a little bit. So stick with us. We'll be releasing episodes as we get them recorded and, and cut. And uh in the meantime, hit us up on our socials uh, at High Radio Silence across the board, and we also have a new uh, a new Twitter account for our podcast, uh, the Crawl Podcast. So check us out on Twitter, and uh, thanks again for subscribing and for following. Let's see it. With radio silence.